Welcome back to 12-Pack Radio, the most interesting podcast in your face covering Pac-12 football. This is Brian Conger, the host of Wildcat Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. We're into week six. It is crazy how fast we are rolling. And we have two Pac-12 weeks under our belt, which is uh, interesting. I'm sure Rob's going to talk about the model and lots of games to get into. A couple housekeeping items first. If you want to subscribe to the podcast for free, you can on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, any podcast catcher, we are there. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at 12-Pack Radio, 1-2-P-A-C Radio. And I'm joined by Mr. Rob Bauer. And what's going on, Rob? Oh, I'm excited to be here. This was a uh, this is a fun weekend. Uh, you know, minus uh, some of the late games were a little less good, actually, but uh, most of the early games were were a lot of fun. I just want to say that I went seven and zero on my picks in the spread. <laughs> you know it. You know it. Tearing it up here. Um, I did all. I did pick all favorites though, <laughs> so I don't know how much I can claim uh, to be an expert here. But uh, I, I do think let's talk big picture Pac-12 here before we get into all the games. We're going to break down every game that's coming up, and we're going to uh, break down each game that was played this uh, past Saturday. I think big picture for me, this was an interesting week for spreads. There was about three or four of them where I looked at them, just went. I, I I feel like Vegas is setting the trap right They're They're cranking up that, uh, that mouse trap. They're putting the cheese in and I was more than happy to kind of sleaze my way and nibble a little cheese here and a little there, uh, before the, the trap comes crashing down because I do think that the pac 12, uh, disparity between the good teams and the bad teams is bigger than Las Vegas thought. And you saw that with uh, Washington. Well, I guess even Washington State like had to get a quarterback uh, or get a touchdown at the very end. But Oregon certainly blew out um, Cal. I think Arizona, yeah, I know that that score is close. But if you actually watch the game, USC was a significantly better team than Arizona. And, uh, you know, BYU just sat on BYU's face for like four straight hours. There's just a lot of, you know, um, ASU blew out Oregon State. I, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what the lines are this week because I think they're going to be much, much more solid and it's going to be more difficult to pick these games. But what were your overall impressions of some of these games that we witnessed in weeks, uh, week five, Rob? Uh, my overall impression was yeah, like the South is just a mess. Yeah. Um, I mean, Utah's offense isn't really there. They had a better game up against Washington State. Uh, UCLA, uh, man, I don't, I don't think Chip Kelly is a good offensive coordinator. <laughs> it's my takeaway. <laughs> and I'm, I'm willing, I'm willing to call, to, to call Chip Kelly down for a cage match to defend that take. Like that's <laughs> like I have, I have a lot of notes on like what a screwy offense he ran. Um, Stanford, I mean, I'm sorry, but like it's a bad. It was kind of a bad week for the conference when Stanford went out and just got shellacked by yeah. Notre Dame. Um, that's a, that was a measuring stick game for the conference because I I think Stanford could actually, you know, go undefeated in the conference. Uh, it's not an unrealistic possibility for them and to go out and just get waxed by Notre Dame doesn't look good for the conference. Um, BYU had no business being in the top 25. I don't know why that happened. Cal had no business being in the top 25. (laughs) I don't know why that happened. Um, and I, you're right. I mean, I think that, um, 
Vegas, I mean, I know Vegas, you know, Vegas, some of the, some of the casinos do check my model, actually. <laughs> I get CIPs and it's like the Tropicana. Um, but there's, Which is a uh, trash hotel, by the way. Trash hotel. It is. <laughs> but a great sports book. Um, great sports book. <laughs> but the model actually had a really good week against the spread, um, almost 54% against the spread, which is high for this time of year. Um, yeah, and like it was weird that it was just see the one the one line in the Pac-12 that I had really big concerns on. I think beyond the sort of Colorado UCLA one was, uh, or not the Colorado UCLA one, beyond the um, Arizona USC one and the Oregon Cal one was uh, Utah. At the end of the week, had moved to a favorite over Washington State, and I thought that was a lot. Um, not that they were like very unevenly matched, but. I thought Washington State was was clearly the you know at least a slight favorite in the game. Yeah, and I watched that game. We'll get into it. I I just want to give a shout out to our friends at the Utah Man podcast because for two or three weeks they've been talking about this offense and how they really needed to get back to running the ball, and they did. And you could see why they should be doing that as much as it wants me to bang my head against the wall. I'm like, it, I guess at some point, if you're a coach that's been there for 15 years or whatever, you are who you are. You're just gonna roll roll with the things that you're comfortable with and Utah certainly looked a little bit more like a a true team in the Pac-12 this week than it has in the past weeks on the offensive front of course the defense is good we're joined by uh, Mr. Rick Denice what's going on Rick hey guys how are you super superman um I'm I'm gonna come out right out of the shoot what's the worst team in the Pac-12 oh wow I guess it's Um, Oregon State that's an easy one what's the worst team in the Pac-12 South Oh, wow. Uh, I would have to say Arizona. There's, yeah, I, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oof, that was a tough one. A couple other things here. Let's, let's all calm down about Colorado. Can we all do that for a moment? Like, uh, I get it. I get all our friends at, uh, at the Free Ball and Podcast. I have the Colorado over. I bet a significant amount of money on that. Like, I'm excited. But I saw, <laughs> I think it was like the West Coast football Twitter account had tweeted out that a couple of, you know, organizations are starting to put Colorado in the top 25 chill out, like just freaking mellow out for a little bit. Uh, That team has not played anybody, but it'll be exciting to see I think this is a good barometer game with ASU. So there's some good teams and some good games coming up on this week's schedule, which we'll talk about. Uh, Rick, what are some other big picture items that you saw coming out of week five? Yeah, I think you guys touched on a couple of them. Stanford, Notre Dame, to me, was the death of the Pac-12 for the college football playoff uh, this yeah, year. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. But, um, you know, Notre Dame's for real this year. And I I didn't know really what to think of this Notre Dame team. I mean, I saw them beat down Michigan. And I said, well, you know, it's Michigan. Who knows how good they are? And they struggled again this week. But, man, Notre Dame took it to them. And, and Notre Dame looks like a really scary team. I mean, I'm sure all the fighting Irish fans out there are finally thinking – uh, thanking God that they have a good team. So that was a huge, huge win for Notre Dame. And, and unfortunately for Stanford, as you guys mentioned, I think that they could go and win out. And I don't think it does us a bit of good, um, especially, uh, you know, between Stanford, Washington, kind of carrying the flag for the Pac-12. So I think that's tough. I look at Utah as well. And, and I know that we, we touched on this a little bit, but, you know, it's another one of those years where, you, you know, we talk about Kyle Whittingham and all the success he had before 
where Utah got in the Pac-12. Um, but now it, it kind of is like they're always in program purgatory. You know, they're never like good enough to to really go and and make some major major waves. Um, but they're never quite bad enough to where you go, oh man, we need to take a look at, at maybe a, a head coaching change. And I just don't know, you know how you know how Utah fans kind of react to that because I, I and Brent, I know you get into it with them a lot, but you know it's got to be tough year after year kind of being in that spot and, and being just right there, but not good enough to, to kind of move forward. And so um, I thought that was a really interesting storyline. And I think it was a big win for Washington state um, to kind of capture. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the schedule was pretty bland. I I'm with you guys. I, you know, I kind of cooled on Colorado. I saw a majority of that game against UCLA and UCLA is, is not a very good team. And, and I know that I didn't rank them last in the pac 12, but um, you know, I, I they, they, the, the way that Colorado came out and, and I think Montez finally led them through that second half pretty well. The way they came out, um, you know, and, and just got kind of beat up um, before they finally made some adjustments and, and carried it through and won the game. I was really surprised by and and I just don't know what to think. I mean, as a 4-0 team, you, you go, okay, they, they might have something here, but I could easily see them losing a, uh, a stretch of games down the, the, uh, the rest of the way, even though the Pac-12 South isn't very strong. So those were kind of my impressions for the week. Yeah, I, I liked Oregon. I thought Oregon was impressive. This was a typical letdown game, right? You come off a tough loss against Stanford. You go on the road to Cal, a team you really don't care about, uh, a team that doesn't have a lot of players on it. And this is one of those games where Las Vegas goes, I'll give you three and a half points. Why don't you take it? Why don't you take it? Why don't you take it? And you walk in there and you're like, I'll take it. And then they chop your head off with a machete. And that wasn't the case, man. Oregon really laid the wood uh, against Cal on the road. I was really impressed with that. Uh, I just think that when you look at some of these teams and these are college kids, you know, they, they're not professionals. They can be distracted. They got a lot of games that they're looking forward to. So when a team comes into one of those trap games and comes out looking like roses, that just, I'm, I'm, I'm putting them up pretty high on my list of teams that I really like this year. And they were already high on that list. Rob, how many wins does the PAC 12 South champion have at the end of the year? Conference wins or total wins? Conference wins. Oh, man. I mean, I think we're looking at like a potential six. I mean, I think the North is going to like just trash the Pac-12 <laughs> this season. I mean, other than Oregon State, I mean, and maybe Cal. Um, but, I mean, you could look at a, a pretty easily at like a six-win conference, you know, Pac-12 South champion at this point. Um, I don't think – I mean, although I, you know, USC, they've made it through. You know, they've already played Stanford. Washington State was probably their other really tough game. I mean, I guess you know, even if they dropped, I guess you're at this point, you're just saying like, all right, they have to lose two more. I don't know. I think USC loses two more Pac-12 games. Actually, I just don't think they're good enough to get through unscathed. So yeah, six wins. Oh my goodness, woof! That's so bad. That's like when (laughs) USC gets it was you know, prohibited from participating in a bowl and that really terrible six and six, um, a really, really terrible, like six and six Rick Neuheisel coach team oh, got into the Pac-12 championship that. game and got just blasted. Like, Wasn't it like was 62 to 10 or something? It was so oh, embarrassing. It was, it was awful. I don't yeah. even, I mean, the pac twelve championship game is usually a bucket of garbage. Um, in a empty stadium, <laughs> but, um, 
I I would not. It would be it would be like it usually is, like a half empty stadium and some team from the north just blowing the doors off. Some team from the south. My goodness, get it together, the south. Get it together. Um, let's Rob. Let's walk through a little bit your numbers here. Uh, you just redid the the beta rank model. You don't redo all the coding, but but you just ran you ran the model again, taking into consideration yeah. all of last week's. So, how much of your model is based on current data, and how much is it based off of last year's data? So right now we're at fifty-seven percent uh, in-season data, uh, which is great. Like we're starting to get a, a really good feel for some teams, and there's some teams in the model that we have a very good feel for. Like Arizona State has played um, five games against FBS competition, so we've actually got a reasonably good grasp on the Sun Devils at this point. But the Pac-12 did not do me a ton of favors by scheduling all those bye weeks early on. So uh. like a team like Colorado only has three games in the model right now, um, and they've mostly been against terrible teams. Um, so it's a little harder. Like we don't have as great of a, a, a grasp on like where Colorado is versus where, like I said, for example, like uh, you could even say, you know, UCLA who only has uh, four games in, but um, all against FBS competition at this point, um, those teams, we actually have a, a pretty good handle on. Um, but there's, it, you start to see like Colorado right now is being held down still. They're at 73 in the model right now. Um, if I just ran and I always do this just to check and see what it, the results are, because sometimes they're wacky. Like, I mean, I think at one point, like Appalachian State was like the number four team in the country. If you didn't use preseason weighting, um, Colorado would be a, the 42nd ranked team in the country coming into uh, this week if we just use in-season data. Um, but they would still be a dog because like Arizona State would be the number 31 team uh, in the country coming into this week with uh, only in-season data. So. Uh, it's still a little fluky in there with the in-season data. We're still using waiting. Next week, we make a big jump because we really start to build out a lot more connective tissue um, in the model, but with uh, you know more games being played. So next week, we jump all the way up to 86% uh, in-season data. And then the week after that, I'm fully on 100% in-season data. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. Oh, snap. And what I should have done before we ask that question is, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, first of all, thank you. Welcome. We're glad to have you here. BetaRank is a college football advanced statistical model, and you can find it on our website, Wildcat Radio AZ, if you just go there and you click, uh, is it Pac-12 Stats Nerd? What, what, is the, what is the link again? I just clicked I think on it's, it. You, 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 call it uh, you called me the Pac-12 stat, Stats Wizard, and I just let it let that stick, I guess. <laughs> let um, it slide? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Like, there's a, uh, if you like statistics, uh, I run a, a, a Bayesian statistical model, so there's a Bayes formula on there, like, <laughs> for any stats nerds that recognize it but um yeah i've got uh individual team profiles advanced stats profiles i just updated, updated those tonight for every pac-12 team that's a radar chart you know so you can visualize it um i've got uh, win probabilities for their entire schedules uh, for games they've already played i have uh, what the model thought that they should have scored in those games which is a useful way to see if a team got very lucky um or very unlucky um like for example i think the model actually uh thought that Ohio state got a little lucky and Penn state really should have actually converted and won that game. Um, one, one bad play call, I guess, um, or many bad play calls, but, uh, there's a lot of information in there. Um, and I'm always happy to answer questions. Um, I do a lot of posting on Reddit, uh, and answer questions there, uh, for fans across the country. Um, and then I also, uh, run our 12 pack Twitter account. So if you want to shoot questions there or, uh, at my personal account, which is our Bauer in 1856, you can, uh, hit me up there and I'm, I'm always happy to answer questions on the model. 
Who are the teams that have surprised you most in the terms of the way they've moved up or down? Oh, man, Washington State. <laughs> the model loves the Cougars. Um, <laughs> As it were. <laughs> they, oh, yeah. So it is. <laughs> um, they, they're coming at number 27 right now. If we just ran in-season data only, Washington State would be the number 11 team in the country. Oh, my. Um, yeah, so Washington State is coming in hot and heavy in the in-season data, uh, far better than their preseason projection. Uh, their offense in particular, last year Washington State's offense was not very good. This year, so their projection, again, was built off of recruiting and you know prior performance and returning production, and they didn't have a lot of any of those uh, in great measure. Um, so their preseason projection was somewhere in the 60s. Right now they're at number 31. Uh, if you run it unadjusted, they're somewhere up where they're in the teens on their offense. So Gardner Minshew and all those receivers uh, have done just a phenomenal job um, with that offense. And uh, their defense is held pretty steady. They're number 30 right now uh, in the, the current model run. Their special teams, which were abysmal last year, are also improved at number 46. So watch out for the Cougars. Everybody kind of assumed coming in it's a three-headed monster, and I know they dropped that game to, to USC. Uh, you know, Washington State is a significantly better team uh, than we were expecting. Uh, Colorado is a is a, an example again of a you know i'm not sure exactly where they are but just on the in-season data um they are significantly better than their projection i would like to see them play against some teams that are not at the bottom end of the spectrum um and we'll get to see that against asu because asu has actually been a little bit of a surprise there at number 42 um but really as far as negative surprises go it's it's really ucla um the teams that they had played uh, played a little better this week, and so they got a little bit of a bump, even though they got shellacked against Colorado. But they are coming in at number 60. That's mostly getting held up by their preseason projection, which was built on uh, very, very, very good recruiting by Jim Mora. Um, but it's not panning out at all uh, on the field. So UCLA, I think once we actually adjust over to seeing a few more games out of them and get onto the the full model uh, or the full the full in season data, they are they're likely going to fall into the you know very worst teams in college football. Jim Moore's recruiting class is not panning out. I'm shocked, shocked, shocked. <laughs> there's gambling in this establishment. <laughs> <laughs> and the model really did not like Cal and doesn't like Cal right now at all either. Either in the preseason projection. Um, where they were supposed to be a little better. But in the in-season data in particular, Cal really hasn't played anyone yet. BYU is not a very good team. That was a fluke win up in uh, Madison. Um, North Carolina is not a good football team at all. Uh, and Cal just got shellacked by Oregon. So all the all the folks riding the Cal bandwagon, I mean, they're a team I would definitely pump the brakes on uh, right now because they have not uh, shown it yet. Okay, well, let's get into uh, the games coming up on the Pac-12 Week 6 schedule and break down the games that just happened on the Pac-12 Week 5 schedule in a segment we like to call our Sleazy Bets. Hey, um, can I get some Pac-12 gambling advice up in here? Is William Shatner? You want it? Pac-12 gambling lines? You got it. Nice. You want it? Okay. All right, all right. We are back, and let us take a look at the week six schedule. 1 p.m. 
And there's no channel on this on ESPN right now, so I'm assuming it's the Pac-12 network. Arizona State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Colorado. And let's talk about ASU first in their game. They, they blew out Air, uh, Oregon State at home. I watched a decent amount of this, and it was basically the same thing that you saw last week when Arizona played them, and it will likely be the same thing as more teams that have a run game will will perform against Oregon State. And that's the sense of ASU just brought the, the wood on the ground. <laughs> Uh, Eno Benjamin, who, by the way, I haven't been super impressed with. I have him on my Pac-12 fantasy team, so uh, I have a vested interest in him being good. Um, did kind of the same thing that uh, J.J. Taylor did last year. Uh, looks like Oregon State's run defense is the cure for a terrible offense, uh, particularly on the ground. Eno Benjamin, thir- 30 carries for 312 yards and three touchdowns. Holy goodness. Really just tore them a new one. Um, uh, Rick Powell. Rick Powell. Rick Powell, Rick Powell is dead to me right now. <laughs> Rick Denise, uh, did you have any chance to take a look at the ASU-Oregon State game? Yeah, I checked in on it a little bit. I, I mean, it, it was about what I would expect from an Arizona State-Oregon State game or an Oregon State game versus anybody. Um, I, I I have mixed feelings on ASU. You know, they play really well, um, and, and I think the Michigan State game was really entertaining, really intriguing. Um, and then I think they have lapses. And, and it kind of, you know, for a first-year team, um, you know, under a new head coach, uh, you kind of expect that. But with the talent level they have, it'll be interesting to see how the next few weeks play out. So, um, and this is a, definitely a big one coming up in the Pac-12 South, so I'm excited about that. Rob, would you be worried that ASU gave up 20 24 points to Oregon State. I would be worried if that they gave up uh, 254 yards on 31 carries to Jamar Jefferson, (laughs) (laughs) mostly right up the gut. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, that uh, I think Oregon State took it personally that uh, Arizona's defense held them in check. Uh, and they showed up and ran the ball right at ASU and were very successful at it for the most part uh, in this game. So, yeah, I'd be a little worried if I was uh, ASU about this defense. They did. I mean, in, in fairness, they really did get to Connor Blount early and often. Um, they sacked him five times. He was hit a bunch in this game. I mean, I, you have to at least respect the kid's ability to get up off the turf because he took a ton of shots. Um, but he did not have a great game throwing the ball. Um, and that was a little bit of the difference in the game really was that, uh, Oregon state really couldn't come up with any sort of passing game to complement with what they were uh, able to do on the ground. But, uh, ASU, um, and Oregon state, cause they gave up a ton of rushing yards too. I mean, they probably need to do a little, uh, tackling and practice this week. This, this Oregon state team is bad. Like it is bad. Jamar yeah. Jefferson is good and it'll be fun to watch him for the next couple of years because it doesn't strike me as somebody that would uh, dip after his third year. But like as a freshman, as a true freshman, I believe he's tearing it up right now and he's done that against a number of teams. It isn't just bad run defenses, which ASU's uh, run defense certainly is. I know we had talked a few weeks about before back to back to back weeks, actually probably at ASU in the sense of you can run against this team. If there's a roadmap to be able to beat them, it's on the ground. I was a little bit uh, perplexed with the fact that Washington wasn't able to run the ball better against them, which I think is uh, worrisome for Washington more so than uh, Arizona State. But um, a good win. Whenever you can drop 50 points on a team, they, they covered a 22-point spread, so God bless them. Uh, they got me a little bit of money here. Colorado, on the other hand, uh, beat UCLA, and boy, goodness gracious, we just talked about UCLA a little bit being a mess. But uh, Rob, you were the one that was watching this game, right? Yes, I did watch this game. Uh, it was a interesting-ish game. 
<laughs> I mean, bad. Uh, UCLA was terrible, terrible on offense. Um, I don't think you can understate that. Um, but they did have, uh, despite the fact that they have two running backs who were 1.5 star recruits, uh, former walk-on Joshua Kelly. <laughs> I was wondering carries. who that was. I was like, that his son? Like, what's, what's going yeah. on here? <laughs> Might as well have been. Like, I mean, I feel like this is like the Chip Kelly give the finger to the world offense at this point. Um, because he put in his former walk-on, uh, who just got a scholarship this year, and he went uh, 12 carries for 124. Um, and which is weird that he only got 12 carries if he was running the ball that well. But, you know, what the heck, Chip Kelly? You do you. Um he the the passing the ball oh my goodness like thompson robinson struggled mightily in this game throwing the football he is really struggling with his reads but it's not just that because uh L, dj elliott the uh, colorado defensive coordinator uh when ucla did get a little bit behind and was, was trying to throw the ball to catch up he was mixing up coverages and mixing up his rush packages and kelly was sort of constantly on the back foot uh, with his play calls uh, against it. And, you know, Thompson Robinson was not making the right pre-snap reads. They weren't checking in the right plays. Um, It looked bad. They looked lost. Um, One of the things that I think you could say offensively that doesn't make any sense to me, because unlike Khalil Tate, Dorian Thompson Robinson has wheels and does not have a bum ankle. Um, Chip Kelly did not run Dorian Thompson Robinson in this game. There was no read option. Um, there were no design. There was one design quarterback run in this game. Uh, that makes no sense to me when your offensive line is not playing that well to not incorporate in some option, uh, in particular, since you have such a history with the option chip Kelly to try to take some pressure off of, uh, the kid's arm, uh, and, you know, be able to exploit the fact that you have one of the better athletes in the pac 12, getting the ball snapped to him every play. It just seems weird watching a chip Kelly offense with the dynamic athlete at quarterback, and not doing anything with it whatsoever. Um, and especially when you consider, I mean, Steven Montez, holy moly, like Montez. Yeah. He had a great game throwing the ball and there should be a lot of focus on that, but Colorado snuck him out with 11 rushes for 81 yards Ooh, and two touchdowns. Got a little dirty, got a little like, dirty Montez. The, the bit, the big fellow was like rolling down the field and it was on, I mean, there were a couple like, I mean, there was one that, I mean, UCLA just totally lost him. I mean, they, they went for the fake and he just kind of like rumbled along the side. I mean, I say rumbled, like he's, he's a fairly athletic runner, but he's not, he's not Dorian Thompson Robinson. He's not one of them. Like, he's not a guy that's going to like, wow, anybody when he goes to run the 40, um, he's pretty serviceable. I mean, in the same way, like Manny Wilkins actually had some good runs in that, um, against Oregon state too. Yeah. Uh, but it's just weird to see like chip Kelly, not choosing to run his quarterback. And I mean, getting, totally out, you know, totally outrushed by the opposing team quarterback, the guy who's like six, six, like two forty. It's just strange, strange game to watch Chip Kelly call this offense. A couple things to keep in mind on the Colorado side, uh, Trayvon McMillan back to back hundred yard games. So one of the things that we were trying to keep track of is whether or not this uh, running attack and this offensive line from Colorado can, we, we know Montez is good. We know Montez's receivers are good. LaVisca Chenault's another 126 yards. Like that guy is such a monster. Yeah. He's so, so good. He had a touchdown also. Um, 
but uh, but it's nice to see, even though it was against UCLA, and I know their trench play is a mess, but it's good to see McMillan continuing that process. And, and if they can do that, they have a chance to win the Pac-12 North if their defense can hold. And it's, I mean, you can't, this is kind of like an Oregon State game for anybody that plays Oregon State. You know, oh, well, we held Oregon State to 20, 20 points. Why? Well, you know, like, whatever. We held UCLA to under 16 points. Good for you. Whatever. Pat them on the head. I want to see what happens when they play this ASU team because ASU has an offense and they're on the road at, in, at Colorado. I think this is one of those fascinating games. It's kind of like that Washington state Utah game where it really doesn't at the end of the day, it doesn't matter like either of these teams, neither of these teams is going to win their conference. Uh, but it, it's just a fun matchup because you have some strengths on strengths and some unproven uh, talent still. And I, I like Colorado at home. I think this is a game that they win, but let's talk matchups here, Rick. What, what do you see when you're looking at this game and who do you want to take? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I look at the the quarterback play from both sides. Um, and I think, um, many Wilkins, uh, Wilkins against, uh, Montez is one of the better quarterback matchups. I think we're going to get this season. So um, I'm really interested to see how those two perform. Um, and I think ASU going on the road uh, up in Boulder is going to be, um, you know, a, a tough game for them. I think, you know, it's an afternoon start. Um, and I think Colorado, you know, is rolling at four. No, um, I, I honestly see Montez continuing to step up, continuing to play really well um, and in Colorado covering the spread um, handedly, probably by a touchdown. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and run with Colorado. And, and again, um, I think one of those games this year that everybody should watch just based on the uh, quarterback talent on the field uh, available in the Pac-12. I don't trust McMillan to light up ASU's run defense. I know ASU has a bad run defense. I understand that. But I am still uncertain on whether or not McMillan can actually uh, you know, drop a 20 burger on the 200 burger on him, which is probably what he needs to do to, to get this game out of reach from ASU. I'm certain that Montez and Schnoltz and, and uh, McIntyre and all these wide receivers are going to get theirs. Uh, the one question I have, I have to go back and look and, and take a look at big plays. And Rob, I know that your date is going to start having explosive plays and all that stuff up there. But as I recall, last week, I think ASU was in the top 10 in the country on not giving up big plays, which is freaking crazy if you consider what the, what the defense was the last two years down there in Tempe. So I, it'll be, I'm just really curious to see um, how many yards Montez can get on this defense if they're going to be able to hold Chenault and some of these other wide receivers uh, down. But man, on the road, that's that's just what gets me. Like I, I kind of like this ASU team. I think they're well coached, but I don't I don't know if they have what it takes to take on a decent offense on the road. Rob, who who are, what are some things that you're looking for? What are your numbers saying? Who are you going to take? So the numbers actually like ASU in this game. They give them a 63% shot to win the game. It's roughly about a five-point um, bump over Colorado, and that's okay. taking into account home field advantage. Um, again, like Colorado, this game, it's probably closer to a two-point favorite for ASU. If you just looked up on in-season data, I mean, there's a wider band of where Colorado could possibly be just on pure in-season data. Um, Colorado comes in. They are a they're when they score their offense, it's mostly drive efficiency. So they're they're ranked number sixteen in drive efficiency. So they do put together longer drives. Um what what 
worries you there is that they are they're a bit less explosive. They're ranked number 99th at explosiveness, and I know everybody focuses on Lavisca Chenault um, and a lot of those big plays, and they do have them. Um, but this offense is a little bit more of an efficient play calling offense. But if you give Danny Gonzalez and that that ASU defense enough shots to get you into third downs, like they're going to connect on some. Um, and that I think if you're a Colorado fan, like you should be you don't want to find yourself into too many third downs on a drive against this ASU defense because uh, it is a fairly well-designed defense and they do know how to get pressure. So if you find yourself in any kind of third and passing situation, um, you could find yourself in trouble. Um, but I think everyone should be excited for a game with Steven Montez throwing to LaVisca Chenault and Manny Wilkins getting to throw it to Nikhil Harry. Uh, I have big questions about how, where does Colorado's defense really sit coming yeah. into this game? Um, they had a pretty good game against UCLA, but UCLA's offense is barely functional at this point. Um, Nebraska, you know, his offense isn't great. Um, and I, I don't, I mean, Colorado state is just abysmal <laughs> at football. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know where we're going to sort of shake out with them on this. I don't know if they, if they have really fixed the problem where they can actually just fully stop the run. It is a little concerning that they gave up, you know, 124 yards on 12 carries to a former walk on at UCLA. Um, that's, that's kind of a concern. Not that I think, you know, Benjamin's great. And I don't think that this, you know, ASU defense or I mean, offensive line is fantastic at run blocking, but I guess if I have another concern, Manny Wilkins has not been as sharp the last two weeks as he had been in the early season. So he's going to have to clean it up and really step up and play well in this game. Um, I, I have a, I mean, ASU is a favorite. They're a slight favorite in the model. You know, I guess I'm going to, I guess I'm going to take ASU in this game and just, I mean, we have a good handle on them. Michigan state's a decent team. They did beat them. Um, you know, we just, we know so much more about them. I'm, I'm a little more comfortable with where that, where I think they are at this point. Yeah. One more matchup to keep in mind is Nikhil Harry against a solid Colorado secondary that has really grown into a school that's been known to be able to develop a strong pass defender. So whether that's the case here <laughs> will be interesting. Um, but in theory, this should be a decent pass defense. And I want to see what happens. I also want to see how many yards, you know, Benjamin gets on the ground. If he gets more than 150, then I think a, you have to worry about Colorado's run defense and B maybe boosting you know, up Benjamin up a little higher on the list of uh, pac 12 running backs. I'm going to take Colorado because they're at home right now, but I reserve the right to change my pick on this one. Cause I really want to look at it a little bit deeper. Uh, Cause this is one that, that I do think is, is pretty even and I kind of want to see where we can get an edge but for now uh, give me Colorado because they are at home all right coming up next we have let's see uh, 4 30 p.m. on Fox Washington is a 21 point favorite on the road at UCLA holy Moses 21 points uh, to be honest I thought this could have been 24 and I probably still would have taken Washington um, Washington started their game we already talked about UCLA playing Colorado Washington um, just beat the crap out of BYU. Like they clown punched them. It was awesome. Uh, and this kind of went the way, and, and this doesn't happen often. So I'm going to toot a horn a little bit. Um, this kind of happened the way that we, Rob, you and I described on the podcast, which is Washington, their defense really is good. It is an excellent defense and BYU just didn't have an offense to speak of. And they put up seven points and that was at the end. Like this was 35 zero going into like four minutes into the fourth quarter. It was just uh, inappropriate and disgusting and it should never happen again. 
I think this is probably the same thing at UCLA. UCLA is a mess offensively. Washington is going to punch them in the mouth. Uh, and I don't trust UCLA's defense either. I, I have a little bit of concern about um, Washington's run offense. I thought Miles Gaskin and Salvat Ahmed were going to be better than they were this year, and they're not quite there yet. But with that said, I just don't trust this UCLA defense at all, and I think that Jake Browning can take advantage of bad defenses. So uh, I'll, I'll give those points, and I'll give them gladly. You want a little bit more? I'll, I'll sprinkle some on you or whatever. <laughs> um, Rick, <laughs> Rick Powell, what do you think about this matchup, and what are you looking for? Rick Powell, where's he at? Rick Powell, Rick Powell's <laughs> dead to me. Rick Powell's dead. <laughs> Sorry. It's all good. It's all good. I, I got you. I got you. Um, he, he got so, the wrong wristbands for this game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so I look at the, the issues with uh, Washington's running game. And I think that because of the injuries that they've had on the offensive line, I think that might be one of the reasons why we're not seeing the production um, that we did see uh, in years previous. So I, I, you know, Looking at UCLA, I mean, they are hot garbage. It's almost you know, I, I almost put UCLA in the same light as Oregon State, where give me whoever they're playing and I'll and I'll take the point. And if I if I if all of a sudden they find one game to prove me wrong, I'll, I'll take that. That's fine. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and run with Washington on this one. Um, I just don't think UCLA has an offense um, to go against uh, that great defense. Uh, and I think UCLA is a sieve and I would look for Washington to pound it down their throats and, um, and see if we can't, um, you know, try and eclipse 150, 200 yards on that defense. So, um, I'm going to go with Washington all the way on this one, Rob, I'm looking at the week seven games here. I'm trying to see who UCLA plays and who Washington plays. The only case that you can make, unless you have a better one, the only case I can make for giving, uh, for taking the points, if you want to take UCLA is that Washington has Oregon on the road next week. And this could be a look ahead game, but that, that UCLA team is such a mess. And when you have the, the star quarterback, the starting quarterback's dad complaining publicly, I can only imagine what's going on behind the scenes with this team. It looks like this is a scorched earth, like F you, I'm Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly. I'm going to do whatever I want policy. And that's probably not great for morale. I'm just throwing that out there. Do you, do you trust Washington to score more than 21 points <laughs> against UCLA and, and uh, really widen that gap? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think it should be noted that UCLA, whose run defense last season was abysmal, um, ranking among the worst in the country. They have cleaned that up a bit. I mean, this isn't it's it's not like they're a very, very good defense in any stretch of any imagination, but um, they're not nearly where they were last year on on uh, getting you know, run all over. So um, their defense isn't quite as bad they're, They get just. Um, they rank 111th in average starting field position. Like their offense does them no favors whatsoever. Um, and I think that that's going to be the case again here. I mean, good luck if you are the UCLA offense going up against this Washington defense. I think Washington's offense is going to get a lot of short field position. They're going to have lots of opportunities to put up points. Um, the only way that this game doesn't turn into a blowout is if uh washington does something stupid and turns the ball over a bunch like they should they should roll and i mean if i were um if i were uh washington i would want to you know take a shot at chip kelly now as like a warning shot to oregon like see what we did to your 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 last guy <laughs> 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 we're, we're coming you know like <laughs> 
the power of motivation. <laughs> let's, yeah. All right, let's move on. So, so you taking? Are you taking uh, Washington? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this UCLA team is. I mean, the, the model hasn't sort of fully dropped them down yet because they've got too much preseason in there still. But they're they're there's a trap door waiting underneath them. Okay. Uh, next game, 6 p.m., Washington State, a 16-point favorite on the road. Talk about road favorites, man. Good Moses. Um, Washington State, 28, Utah, 24. This game was really interesting. I had an opportunity to watch this whole game. And I, I want to say this for, for if you're a fan of Utah, it was nice to see them run the ball again. And it was nice to see Zach Moss get more than 100 yards and a touchdown he ran incredibly effectively. As a Tyler Huntley, I thought he was great on the ground. He actually had 88 yards, two touchdowns. He scrambled a lot on the air attack, not as good. So they kind of like took all their eggs out of one basket and put them all in the other basket basically in this game. Uh, but it did put up points against a good Washington State defense. I I kind of thought that Gardner Minshew was concussed uh, when Porter Gustin hit him on that. Oh, which reminds me, we should mention this. All right. I, I know Utah fans, we had talked about Utah targeting and we didn't mention uh, USC's just destruction of um, uh, their their wide receivers head last week. want to mention this time you had a Washington State safety and his name escapes me right now. Um, it just really crushed one of their wide receivers and um, you don't want to see that happen. He got rightly thrown out of the game. So it doesn't just happen yeah. from one team it's it's everywhere and it just drives me nuts like that was so uncalled for and a lot of these hits are and i'm glad that they're kicking these players out immediately they need to like this sport is an awesome sport um, but it is getting really ruined by these terrible hits and i'm glad that that they've done that so just wanted to mention that we did see that (laughs) and it did happen um and it was it was obviously the right call it was so blatantly obvious with that said I thought that Minshew was concussed from last uh, last game because he was so good. He's actually been really excellent in terms of his offensive efficiency. And I know we talked a little bit about this, Rob, uh, when we were doing kind of the general picture of the Pac-12. But how improved has this Washington State offense been under Minshew's leadership? Oh, they're phenomenal. I mean, right now they're they're coming in at number 31 in the model. They're number seven in drive efficiency. They're number 14 in play efficiency, but they're only 117 in explosiveness. So this offense is not Gardner Minshew, you know, just going, you know, dropping back and just throwing bombs. I mean, Gardner Minshew is picking you apart, high completion percentage, um, you know, really like just find it, find it, not just, I mean, people always say like taking what the defense gives you. He's not just taking what the defense gives you. Like he's taking the best available option of what you've given him uh, almost every play. And I think you're right. I think he, I think he was concussed in that USC game. Uh, he wasn't sharp early on yes. in this Utah game. Yep. Um, he put it together later uh, a bit, although neither offense was great in the second half. I think Minshew's stats were a little better in the second half, um, even with that. And uh, he did sort of uh, put it back together. I'm, I, I, I am excited for this Washington State team going forward because they are, they're, they've become sneaky good. He was making the right reads, but he wasn't hitting the wide receivers where yeah. he needed to in the first half of that game. And I, I even tweeted, I'm like, ah, this is the last time I'm going to bet on somebody that's been concussed in the previous game that's a quarterback because he was off, but he did get it together in the second half. And speaking of big plays, I know that Washington State, we just said that they didn't have big plays, but oh goodness, that throw to Esau oh, yeah. Winston at the end of the game. And yeah. but, to, but, to your, but to your point, Rob, that was like a five to ten yard pass and, and Winston just took it to the house. So it wasn't 
like it was uh, uh, one of those vertical plays that Mike Leach likes to call. But that defense, man, really held. Uh, Huntley is is interesting because Utah fans were basically asking us if we wanted to trade bad quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> between uh, Khalil Tate and Tyler Huntley. And man, through the air, tw- uh, 12 of 20 for 118 yards, no touchdowns. At least he didn't have any interceptions. So uh, we're going to talk about Utah later, but let's talk about Washington State here. I think the, this team is excellent. And I have no, oh, nope, I'm sorry. I'm taking this back. They are excellent. I'm going to take Oregon State here. <laughs> and here's why. Every freaking year, Mike Leach has at least one stupid brain fart game where he, it looks like he's just stood in quicksand and not moved. He just slowly sinks into the ground, into the abyss. I think this is that game. I think Washington State wins. I don't think this is an upset. Um, but I do think that Oregon State just nips them in the butt. This happens every year. Um, I think this is the game. I'm going to take Oregon State. This is not based on any fundamentals at all. I understand how bad Oregon State is. The one good matchup we have here, though, uh, for Oregon State is the fact that um, – Oh, I don't know. Washington State doesn't run the ball, so at least they won't give up a million yards. Maybe they will anyway, but uh, give me Oregon State. Rick, when you look at Washington State, have you been impressed, and do you think they can cover the spread, and what are you looking for in this game? Yeah, I've been really impressed. I think it's really been uh, you know, an amazing transformation from what we thought they would be uh, when we did our season previews, and we were sitting there and saying, Wow, they just turned over an entire coaching staff. And wow, um, they turned over, you know, they had the the issues, obviously, with the unfortunate event um, at quarterback. And, you know, there are just so many variables working against them. And, you know, Mike Leach works his magic um, over and over again. And, um, you know, it's too bad Arizona can't find some of that magic once in a while. <laughs> so um, I, I'm going to say, uh, you know, I, I, as much as I completely believe uh, in what you're saying regarding Washington State and having one of those letdown games a year. Um, I think that they're they're on a roll. And, and, you know, Oregon State has done nothing to prove to me that a 16-point deficit is um, too large, you know, for, for uh, Washington, or a 16-point deficit is too large for Oregon State to overcome. So I'm going to say that Washington State's going to cover this. Um, and, and uh, again, I think it's another blowout, unfortunately, for the Beavs. Okay. Rob, are you going to take the points here? Who do you got? The points were like 16.5 again? Uh, 16. You get an extra half point there. All right. Well, the model has it about 20. So, yeah, I'm I'm taking Washington State in this game. Okay. I'm surprised that the model has it that low. I mean, I... <laughs> You could put this at 25. The only reason I'd bet is just because I think uh, I, I just I don't trust Mike Leach in games that don't matter. That, that seems to be his, <laughs> his MO. If you just went off if you just went off in season data and not the preseason projection, it would be a 30. It would be a 30 point Washington point uh, state oh. favor. Oh, good times. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I definitely take Oregon State on that one. Um one one more notice. I know that you had mentioned that Washington State's special teams are better. They did have another punt blocked or either got blocked or the, yeah. the kicker missed it. And I wanted to bring up my live betting to bet against them making that. Is like There's no way he's making this kick like at all. There's 0% chance that, of course, he misses it or got blocked or whatever. Like Mike Leach would have won a BCS game at least twice if he gave zero craps, like less than zero crap, more than zero craps about special teams, like just pay a special teams coach $200,000, like get the best one in the country, get him over there and, and you'll have success. Um, moving on 7 PM Cal is a two and a half point dog on the road against Arizona. 
Let's go with you, Rick. Let's talk about this USC Arizona game. USC 24, Arizona 20. It was not this close. I promise you, right? Yeah, it was, it was a complete mess. Um, and, and honestly, you know, you look at where Arizona can find an identity and, and I don't know if, if they're going to be able to try track one down all year, especially with our, um, a banged up Khalil Tate. Um, and that defense, you know, at times is just a sieve. So, um, I, you know, I, I, uh, I came away from that game less encouraged after than after the uh, Oregon state game. Um, but I think this game is kind of one of those swing games for, you know, potentially Arizona and, uh, you know, Cal, as we move into this, um, to figure out, you know, wh- where each team sits in the pecking order and how the game is, or how the teams are going to look um, heading down the stretch uh, to finish out the season. Cal cannot move the football. It is, it is depressing. (laughs) And they just got smacked by Oregon. We had mentioned this a little bit in the beginning, but I was really impressed with the fact that Oregon just went in and took care of business. Um, But let me, let me get to you, Rob, on the Arizona USC game uh, real fast, because there was so much terrible going on in, in this. This is one of those games where if you're on the East coast, it's two in the morning and it's like, oh, Arizona's making a little run. You're like, nope, going to bed. Like, just, I don't want any more, any, any part of this anymore. Uh, any other things to talk about uh, on USC Arizona or any tidbits that you can take out? Yeah, I mean, just, yeah, don't let the final score fool you. I mean, USC had three fumbles. Um, Arizona had, or USC also had 18 penalties for 169 yards, including on that last touchdown drive. They had uh, a face mask and two pass interference penalties that basically. <laughs> gave Arizona like that was that was had half of Arizona's yards on that uh, drive came from USC penalties so um, USC did a lot of very stupid things in that game Arizona was a beneficiary of the beneficiary of those I mean it was a bad 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 beat down for Arizona that looked a lot better cosmetically USC is bad uh so I just keep a lookout for that I know they have a bye week this week but let's uh let's 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 keep that in mind when we're putting some sleazy money on some of these games um so Cal lost 24 to Oregon Cal lost to Oregon 24 to 42 Rob were you watching this one uh I was I was tasked with watching the (laughs) (laughs) ASU <laughs> Oregon State game. So I was I was split screen Arizona USC uh ASU Oregon State. So I have I've had to catch up on the um the uh the game uh I haven't caught up and watched it yet. I have just read a couple recaps yeah. uh, of it. I'm so sorry because I assigned that to you and then immediately recapped the game. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that I was assigned that one. <laughs> I was talking about it. So who who had uh, Cal Oregon? Was it you, Rick? I did. Yeah. Oh, okay. I did. All right. All right. There what do we, we have here? Yep. <laughs> Yeah, we kicked it in. Um, all right, back on track here. Um, yeah, so so this game was, uh, you know, really good bounce back game for Oregon. Um, you know, not so much uh, in terms of, you know, not so much in terms of Cal's performance. So uh, just some quick stats. Uh, Justin Rimmer threw for 16 for 22, 225 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Travis Dye ran for another 115 and a touchdown. And C.J. Vardell ran for another 106. Um, and Oregon was pretty efficient at destroying Cal 
Cal's defense um, through the air um, as they had um, Dylan Mitchell leading the way with seven receptions, 105 yards. Um, but they had six receivers actually catch uh, passes. And um, I think the big thing to take away, uh, you know, with Cal is they obviously have quarterback issues. And we've talked at length about how that offense really, really struggles. And I think it begins with that quarterback spot um, between Chase Garbers um, and then Brandon McElwain. Um, you know, he was 11 for 21 with 128 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions. And then Chase Garbers, um, when he was subbed in there, only went four for nine for 44 yards and two interceptions. And by the way, Brandon McElwain was also the leading um, rusher, um, you know, with, with 15 carries and 123 yards. And Patrick Laird uh, kind of filled in behind him with 18 carries for 92 yards. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, Vic Wharton was their leading um, pass uh, catcher. And, and he had a great game with six receptions and 68 yards. But um, I think the big takeaways that you can take from this game are that, you know, Oregon really had a bounce back game after losing that tough one against Stanford. Um, you know, they went up uh, 35 to 10, um, you know, in the second quarter um, and then kind of let, Cal get back into the game there in the third um, and Cal just kind of squandered the game away. It was very similar to, uh, you know, what Arizona and USC look like from that end. Um, but, you know, you look at this Cal team and, and you kind of wonder, um, you know, what in terms of that offensive identity, you know, are they going to be able to get on track um, to try and move the football consistently um, and having, you know, two quarterbacks and kind of rotating through and neither one of them being above 50% in terms of their completion percentage. Um, that's a, that's a tough road to hoe. So um, I, you know, I, I look at this game as a, you know, two struggling teams, um, you know, Cal somehow found their way in the top 25, which Rob allude, has alluded to before, um, you know, was kind of a, you know, facade, and I, and, and I really think that when it comes down to it, Arizona will find a way to win this game. Um, I don't think it'll be pretty. I don't think it'll be football that a lot of people necessarily want to watch, but <laughs> I think that, that, um, Arizona has enough defensive talent to hold Cal, um, to a, um, to a poor offensive showing once again. Um, and then I think that they're going to have just enough offense on um, whether Khalil Tate's healthy or not. Um, and, and to kind of move the ball forward and, and, you know, get enough points, um, to, to clear that, that spread. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and go with Arizona on this one and, uh, and, and let's hope I'm right. The one thing to keep in mind is that the biggest offensive threat, I know I had mentioned is Kawainoa. It's actually Brandon McIlwain. At least it was against Oregon. And I can see that being the case when they play Arizona. So McIlwain had a hundred and plus yards on the ground, hundred plus yards through the air. Yes. He threw two interceptions, but it'll be interesting to see how Arizona's defense reacts to that. And I am more bullish on that. This Arizona team is a mess, but I think this matchup works actually in their favor. And here's why uh, Tate gets another week of of healing with his ankle and his ankle is injured so just keep in mind people are looking at those statistics why isn't he running why isn't he running a i think he doesn't want to and b he's also hurt and those can be mutually exclusive <laughs> sometimes they're mutually exclusive but i think they're they're uh, attached to the hip here at this point I, I think if he doesn't get the job done and he did not against usc until like the last 10 minutes uh, or five minutes of the fourth quarter if he doesn't get the job done i think arizona makes a switch and this offense is decent enough or can be decent enough where they can move the ball a little bit and the fact that they're at home that gives me a little bit more um uh enthusiasm for them to win the game additionally uh cal just cannot cannot move the football and Arizona's defense is bad, but I think that 
it's not going to be as bad against a bad offense. So uh, actually, give me Arizona in this game. I do think that they win. And I looked at that line in the beginning and just went, oh, man, there's no way I'm taking Arizona. But the more I thought about it, the more I was looking into it. Give me the Cats. I think they win. What do you think, Rob, and where are your numbers at here? So uh, Arizona comes in as roughly a 66% win probability. It's about five points in the model, give or take. Um, they are, uh, Cal comes in at number 83 in the country. Like they had no business being in the top 25. They have the number 107 ranked offense. And this offense has no ability to really string drives together. They come in at 126 in drive efficiency. That's out of 130, uh, 119 in play efficiency. So they're not generating a lot of yards for play either. Uh, but if they do score, it's generally just, hey, we got a big play. So they're number six in explosiveness. So this uh, this team is not – this offense is just not very good. And I think um, that bodes well for Arizona, I guess, whose defense has played a little better than we've expected, even though they're still not great. Um, and Cal's defense is better than last year, and they're pretty good. But um, their offense is going to leave them in a lot of bad uh, field position uh, – although they do have decent special teams, but they're this defense um, can get left out in the lurch by the offense uh, pretty often. And they're at number 45. They're just not world beating good um, to where you, you think that Khalil Tate and uh, this Arizona offense won't be able to put something together. Um, you know, I don't know what Ross Bowers did if he took the coach's daughter on a date or something like that, but it's <laughs> um, probably Ross, <laughs> right. Ross Bowers is like dead to the world as far as this Cal offense is going, which is super weird considering how bad their quarterbacks have played. Um, I'll take Khalil Tate over Brandon McElwain and uh, Chase Garbers. Absolutely. And the one thing to keep in mind is that Arizona USC game was the worst Arizona has played since Brandon Dawkins was quarterback. So I, I don't know if it can go any further down from there. And that includes the Houston game, by the way, where he's yeah. where Arizona got blown out of Houston. So it was really, really bad. I see them bouncing back at least a little bit. Um, let's move on. 7.30 p.m. at ESPN Utah at Stanford. This is an interesting game. Stanford uh, lost Utah 17 to 38 this game was fairly close for a little while and then Notre Dame just really stepped on the gas Rick were you the one that was watching this one I did okay I did yeah so um the Irish are now 5-0 and and they actually totaled 550 yards on the ground and 272 uh or t- totaled 550 yards which included uh 272 yards on the ground with 55 carries so i mean the irish were intent on pounding the ball and i think what was really surprising to me was how bad stanford got beat up in the trenches um both offensively and defensively and and if you watch that game um it was it was clearly evident that um that stanford was outmatched um by the physicality of notre dame um, and, and I, I, you know, I look at the stat line and Ian book for the Irish went 24, 33 for 270 yards and four touchdowns. So he was pretty much throwing all over the place. And, you know, Notre Dame is a much better team now that Brandon Wimbush has pretty much been replaced by Ian book. And, uh, and it really showed, um, the other thing that was interesting too, is miles Boykin, uh, Notre Dame's running back. Or, or uh, wide receiver uh, led all receivers with 11 receptions and 144 yards, um, and 10 receivers tallied at least one catch. So that tells me that um, as soon as they had success running the ball, um, especially watching that game, um, it was it was really hard for uh, for Stanford to capitalize and stop that that uh, passing game. Um, I think on if you look at from from the Stanford point of view, um, a couple things to pay attention to. KJ Costello did not have a very good game after coming off of that 
Oregon win uh, a week ago. He was just 15 for 27, 174 yards with the touchdown interception. Um, they were limited to just 229 yards um, on 51 plays by Notre Dame. So, I mean, they, they really went back into that shell of themselves, which, you know, was, was very similar um, to the way Stanford kind of looked uh, last year when we had a lot of concerns, um, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Another thing uh, that we took a look at too is Notre Dame's defensive tackle uh, Jerry Tillery also had uh, four sacks and two hurries on him, so he was pressured all <laughs> day. And that kid was everywhere. I mean, he was he was on fire. Um, and then finally, your favorite uh, Bryce Love finished for just seventy three yards and seventeen carries. So I think the big takeaways on this for the Pac twelve is a I think uh, the Pac twelve no longer has a playoff representative, um, which is terrible, especially considering the fact we haven't even got to October yet. Um, B, I think Notre Dame is for real. Um, and C, it was uh, it was shocking to me that um, the potential best team in the Pac-12 got dominated so badly on both the offensive line and the defensive line, um, and and that the the game was reflective of a of a complete blowout. I would assume that you know having to play a tough game against Oregon. Um, and, and going up there was, was going to be tough on them. Um, and I assume that going across country to play Notre Dame would be tough as well. Um, but I didn't expect, um, a David Shaw coach team to, to get the doors blown off them, um, and only score three points in the second half. So, um, I look at this game and I, to you, to your point, I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup. I'm still going to take Stanford in this one to rebound and, and kind of catch their win because I don't trust Utah, um, in that defense, uh, um, or on that and that offense to, to really do much. And I think they'll get back on track, but man, the, the discrepancy between what Stanford is able to do against PAC 12 talent and what they're able to do against what I think is a top five football team is really scary. Bryce love has 4.3 yards of carry this year after coming back from eight yards of carry last year, just uh, tearing things up and he was hurt. So there's no line on this game because they don't know if Bryce Love's going to play which if it's um, Trevor Sprites or Cameron Scarlett, no, thank you. Although you do have the passing game with AJ Costello. So unfortunately we don't have a line on here, but Rob, what are some of the matchups that you would look at when you're evaluating the game? So I think you have to look at Stanford comes in uh, with the number five ranked passing offense uh, right now in beta rank. And that actually goes up against the strength of this Utah defense, which, uh, um, they come in as the number 28 uh, against the pass defense in the in the country. So Utah, at the, at the very least, what Stanford does well, um, you know, it's it's what they reasonably do well themselves. So uh, if you have some hope as a Utah fan, um, it's that right there is that, you know, Stanford's going to come in. They're going to have to throw the ball. Um, and it's what your defense has been a little better at doing. What I think that um, should worry you maybe if you're a Utah fan is that your, your offense has really struggled. They, they did put it together and they were able to run the ball a little bit better in that game against Washington state, but they only come in as the number 59 ranked offense. Um, and it's mostly that they're, uh, they're not, they're not great at drive efficiency. Um, so if you're a Utah fan, you're sort of nodding your head. You're like, Oh yeah. You know, like we have trouble stringing a long drive together. Like they'll get a first down, but then they'll, you know, go three and out after the first down or something like that. So this Utah team, they, they have played a fairly strong strength of schedule so far, their offense has. So um, it's not that they haven't been tested. They're the, they have the number three strength of schedule. But I don't know. I mean, if, if you're 
the Stanford defense has lived up to expectations. Um, and I don't think that we should necessarily take away from that Notre Dame game too much uh, for how Stanford's going to play for the rest of the Pac-12. That Notre Dame defense is nasty. They're the number three ranked team in beta or defense in beta rank right now. Uh, it's not surprising that they that they were able to maul Stanford the way that they were. Um, I still expect Stanford to be able to come in and win. They're about a 66% favorite in this game again. Um, so about a five-point uh, favorite in the model. Okay. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the line is, and we'll tweet it out uh, from our Twitter account, at 12-Pack Radio, 12PAC Radio, as we move along. Let's get into our contest here. So for everybody that participated in the uh, Pac-12 Survivor Pool, everybody advanced and everybody got their pick in. Like I think that's the first time ever, which is pretty crazy. So nobody was eliminated this entire time. I need to make one correction. I had said that Sierra Conger um, had picked Washington State last year. She actually, or last week she actually picked Washington. So we gained another participant actually this week, uh, which will not happen normally. So uh, she remains in the uh, survivor pool. Make sure to get your picks in. You can either send them to Wildcat Radio at Wildcat Radio AZ, um, or you can send them to Twelve Pack Radio. If you didn't enter the contest, you uh, you can't. <laughs> so do it next year. But we still have about forty seven uh, survivors remaining as we pick. With the Run the Gauntlet contest, we beat the tar out of y'all this year, like this week. It was awesome. It was inappropriate. It was bloody. It was messy. And it was enjoyed by all. Rick DeNice, the reigning champ. Oh, I, sh- I should uh, talk about the... <laughs> the premise of it first because if if you're listening to this podcast for the first time you can join the premise is on our on our website wildcatradioaz.com just go to the run the gauntlet contest and just hit uh, play and basically all you're doing is you're making your picks for the pac-12 games against the spread and you're challenging one of our hosts there's six of us and if if you can beat all six hosts in in subsequent weeks you don't have to enter every single week but at some point throughout the year if you beat every one of our hosts without us eliminating you we will buy you two tickets to your team's basketball game um and there'll be decent tickets too so just know that that is the prize we finally figured out what the prize was going to be and rick denice 23 and 13 5 and 2 you are a freaking wizard my friend what do you know? What do you know? But you you made a uh, a nice jump this this week. So I I've got uh, I'm a little scared about you coming up behind, but um, I still feel pretty confident in my ability to uh, you know stay above uh, 500 every week. So well, everybody wanted a piece of the Rick. They wanted Rick, and they wanted a bad this week. He had five challengers. Megatron's dad went two and five. OC Wildcat Joey went two and five. Carnitas went four and three. Philly went Philly special went four and three. And each one of you is eliminated, suckers. Take taste the pain. Taste the Rick tonight. It's, it's, it's delicious. Um, <laughs> so uh, one thing, if you're eliminated from the contest, you can re-enter. You just have to start over again. So like if you beat somebody, you, you, I'll, I'll re-enter you in and, and all your victories um, are washed away. It's kind of like, you know, <laughs> being baptized. All your sins are washed away. You get to start anew and, uh, and continue. Uh, one shout out to C-Team went six and one and knocked you off, Rick. C-Team advances. Pretty, pretty exciting and they yeah. they tied last week so um they they are like one of the few that actually uh, comes out of this whole thing clean um rick anything to say to all all of the people who you stabbed in the heart um you know try try again next time and uh 
Good luck, because I think as we've seen over the last year, it's it's pretty tough to beat me. So um, I, you know, you got to have a track record, and, and I, I don't try and brag too much, but you know, we we I, I was really hoping for a strong start this year, so that last year didn't look like a fluke, and I think I've done pretty well. So yeah. um, I'm pretty thrilled with where I'm at. Season win total contest, Rick Denice champion. Survivor pool, Rick Rick Denice champion. <laughs> uh, picks against the spread, Rick Denice champion. It's pretty impressive. With that said, I am only one. One pick behind you. I'm 22 and 14 against the spread. I went seven and O this week, seven and freaking O. I took some of that cheese. I know it was impressive. It was a flawless victory and suck it. Free ball and Murray and our friends at the free ball podcast. I just knocked you off the mountain. sucker. eliminated him. He went five and two and I still knocked him off. Uh, You picked the wrong man this week, my friend. Uh, We will (laughs) see you next week. So he is gone. Rob, you had a heck of a week too. You went five and two, 20 and 16 against the spread on the, on the year. Um, nobody wanted a piece of you, Rob. You're just too, you're too, you're too intimidating. <laughs> Which is weird. Cause last week, everyone that played against me got by me. Um, but yeah, so I, it's a bummer that I wasted all these good picks with uh, no one to knock out, but uh, come back and see me. Actually don't wait too long. Cause like by the time we get to the end of the year, like the models clicking at like 57, 58% against the spread. So Ooh, buddy, um, Rick balls, 20 and 16 on the year. He went six and one. He tore it up too. After his, um, his Spartan like uh, soliloquy, only one person wanted to go after him. That was farm team, Colorado. And they met the fate that he predict he's calling his shots like Babe Ruth uh, farm team Colorado went four and three and got eliminated by Rick feel free to keep joining um, and, and we can wash everything away Ronnie 17 and nine now we're getting into the dregs here we're getting into the dregs 17 and nine <laughs> two and five last week uh, really liked the underdogs and that cost him dearly he had two challenges B-Dub went three and four against the spread and Gronky Kong went five and two against the spread they both advanced Gronky Kong knocked off two people he is two and oh i want to see who he grabs this coming week and then adam 16 and 20 went four and three on the week which was good so he's making some progress three challenges 50 shades of ray went one and six c debs went uh three and four and nora 33 went four and three so 50 shades of ray is eliminated c debs gets knocked off the mount and nora 33 only one of two entries so far that have two wins under their belt congratulations uh definitely send in your picks guys anything else that we should cover before we sign off this week no i think i'm good i'm good all right all right well um we will catch everybody next week uh call your mother Talk to you later.